All right. Welcome back to the Canadian Real Estate Homefront Podcast. This is episode 17. Mm-hmm. We've just been rolling Welcome with back. this. Yeah, so much to talk about as usual, which is awesome because it keeps you guys informed. Yeah. Should we get right into it? Yeah, let's do okay. it. So inflation slows. Headline CPI slowed to 2.8%. I believe the estimate was supposed to be 3%. Yeah. And that's year over year. So that technically means like we're still high. But year over year, it's but only 2.8%. up 2.8. It's within the range. It's in. It's within the range. 1% to 3%, which is good. And I think people are celebrating that because to hear a, a, a 2 is like, wow, this is really working. Yeah. Now we can chill on the rates. Which this we probably is great. will. This is great. Um, but <laughs> interestingly enough, I was listening to the chief economist at uh, BMO, and he just cut right to it. Do not expect us to stay here it's going to go right back up next month or whenever mm. the next reading is and a lot of that has to do with gas prices having yeah yeah down, right so there's a difference between core inflation and headline inflation that's what i had in the notes you had that <laughs> yeah. wow see i don't need the notes i just know what it uh, you're so smart you're so smart <laughs> that's so funny it is funny so prices for gasoline and fuel uh, so they were much lower. So they're negative 21.6%. That was for gasoline and negative 31.5% below their levels last June. Yeah. So mm. that's a huge decrease. So huge if you, decrease. so what it is, is if you take out the bottoms and the top, so if something goes crazy and something comes down like crazy, mm-hmm. that's going to affect the inflation reading. But if for you sure. take off those two ends yeah. then we have our core inflation, that's still high yeah core inflation strips out food and mm-hmm. energy prices right and mm-hmm. those are the most volatile and that's what the bank of canada looks at the most so i had a little note here mm-hmm. about this so still the boc's preferred core measures designed to provide a better gauge of underlying broader domestic inflation pressures remain sticky at rates above the central bank's inflation target the average three-month annualized rate of increases in the Bank of Canada's preferred CPI trim and medium measures ticked slightly higher to 3.9%. The newly introduced Supercore trims services prices X shelter continues to run particularly hot and annualized 4.8% on a three-month basis in June and matching the pace in May. So one thing that did go up was CPI for food at 8.3% was unchanged from May and still elevated. Yeah, so food prices are still very high and mortgage um, interest interest costs are still very high. But if you think about that, that's almost like an obvious thing. Like food, if you look at the pan, when the pandemic started, it was slower to increase, Mm -hmm. right? When everything kind of shut down, costs were lower, right? And then as soon as they opened back up, then there's... Um, like they, the prices weren't as high as they are now and it was a slow increase. Um, so that takes longer, yeah. right? It'll take longer to go up, takes longer to come back down. Right. Uh, and then mortgage. Interest uh, costs, which is cost, self-inflicted obviously. people know, but just for reference, it's self-inflicted by the bank of Canada. So that's about 30% of the CPI. Right. If you strip that out, you'd probably be even lower. But right. the reason why is because you need to raise interest rates because that's the best way to combat inflation Yeah, because it allows people to not have access to cheap credit, which usually drives up the price of a lot of things. So exactly. it's almost, it's needed in a sense. Yeah. Huh. So yeah, a lot of people talking about 2.8, that's awesome. Mm. Maybe, you know, this doesn't need to continue these increases in my <laughs> variable mortgage that is becoming <laughs> um, unaffordable, but yeah. 
uh, a lot of economists say, no, we're going to head right back up because if you take out the most volatile parts of that reading, Mm -hmm. core inflation is still high. And it's funny now we have a super core. There's always new things being introduced. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, it's almost like you're you're kind of, um, in a way, you're just like fabricating what the data to what you want it to look like. Right. Because a lot of people wouldn't be able to distinguish between what you know the cpi reading is core inflation headline inflation there's so many different ways to present Mm -hmm. data um and if you don't know the difference between them it seems like a good thing 2.8 it it is a good thing it is a good thing it is a good thing but there's a lot more to be looked at to actually celebrate and say oh this is working because i I think the next reading we're going to see an uptick yeah again doesn't mean that we're still not treading in the right direction. I think we are, but yeah, I think, yeah, I've listened to some people talk about it and they think that the bank of Canada, they should have acted sooner in terms of raising rates sooner. So we wouldn't like, they wouldn't have to raise, I don't know what are we at? 450 basis points, mm-hmm. like 10 consecutive hikes. Yeah. They should have raised it sooner. We five. Sorry. And we have five, five hikes basis points. Uh, oh, it's, they've raised, they've raised, I think okay, 475 okay. basis yeah, points. Yeah. 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 Okay, okay. So, um, that's how much they've raised. Cause I think, yeah, the overnight rate was 0.25 at that's one point. Insane. Yeah. So crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that, yeah, they should have acted sooner. And now uh, some people are saying they're acting, um, too quickly. Like they're, they, they haven't just like let it chill and, and seen what rates can actually do at this point. So mm. I do think this is mm. probably it for rate hikes. Again, it's data dependent. Like who knows mm. what can happen. It's definitely not yeah. off the table. And Consumer spending is so important. Like that's such a metric that they look at. Yeah. I think that I was reading too that, you know, the 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 war in, in Russia and Ukraine is also is you know people it's not in the headlines anymore, but it's still there. And Ukraine exports a lot of wheat, and Russia allowed them to still export it. And apparently, they're saying no now, and, and they're going to try and and put a damper in that, so that could still make food prices elevated so, again. Yeah, because it comes back to the supply chain. So food prices, why it took longer to go up, and I guess why it's taking longer to also come back down is think about food translates back to the supply chains translates back to wheat prices and gasoline you have to move the food. right yeah so there's a lot of things behind it that needs to slow then this one slows it's like a trickle down effect mm-hmm. but no food prices are insane and the crazy thing too is that it's at eight percent that means it's growing at that rate even though if we see food prices come down a little bit which it didn't move this time mm-hmm say it came down to six percent it's like great it went down doesn't mean food prices are going down that just means it's growing at six percent instead of eight percent yeah so like we talked about i don't know how much in depth we went into uh the difference between deflation and disinflation yeah i don't know if we did yeah you want to touch on it so deflation is actually when something comes cheaper like something becomes cheaper right iphone's always a good example when it first started out yeah it was like right so that's deflation yes i was trying to think of an example off the top of my head i was like but disinflation just means the rate at which something is growing is coming down so it's still on that upwards yeah. motion it's just growing at a slower rate so two percent inflation the bank of canada's target that doesn't mean that things are deflationary and being like in a competitive price being cheaper it just means it's going to slow it's slow down more and expensive than two years ago grow at two yeah, percent yeah. Yeah, yeah right yeah um and then we can see prices start to be slashed with more supply and less demand so that's where we see prices 
um, get cut, but that's really just disinflation. Yeah. Yeah. There's some good points. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I guess we'll see what happens going forward. I, I think that, like you said, I think that food inflation is, is a really metric you want to look at because everybody needs to eat mm-hmm. and then mortgage interest cost. It's only really affecting a certain amount of people on a variable rate or mm-hmm. someone who's coming up for renewal. Right. So they're feeling way more pain than someone who it's, maybe has their house paid off or they're in a five-year fixed. Yeah. It's, just, it's a lot different, right? Because you bought at top of the market on a variable rate and you are just feeling these increases every time. Right. They come. And then if you look at the Canadians, their savings accounts, where does the most of the liquidity lie before it used to be kind of average, like the top earners obviously had more, but then they had more, more of it out in investments and that sort of thing. They're looking at literally cash in the bank and it's now translated to the, the wealthier like income earners. So it probably just means they're not as investing as much, but they're still earning more. Um, and the percentage of people with savings, which used to be a decent amount, I mean, just in even an average income earner in a household, if you know, you're budgeting well, you can, you can save, mm-hmm. save well. Um, they're, they're very low in terms of their liquidity. So those are the people that are being obviously hurt way more. Hurt the most. And then how badly do we need to hurt them to get these guys to feel yeah. a little bit of pain? So yeah. they kind of. It's always interesting to see where things will go. <laughs> All right, our next topic here. Let me pull it up for us. So CPI, yeah, yeah, we went over that. So Canada's standard of living falling behind other advanced economies. This article was going around as by TD. So according to the report published last week, Canada has been lagging behind the U.S. and other advanced economies in terms of standard of living performance or real GDP per capita, despite recent years of headline growth. The real problem is that GDP growth has been decreasing since the 1980s. This means that low GDP per person is not merely because of the growing population, but the slower growth of the economy itself. The report states that the decline is largely related to productivity. Regions like Alberta, Saskatchewan, Newfoundland, and Labrador, where the economy relies heavily on the exchange of commodities, used to have the highest GDP per person, TD says. Over the past 10 years, however, their lead has been challenged. Following the pandemic, only BC and PEI have been able to raise their GDP per person levels they had in the years prior to COVID-19. This underscores that without fundamental changes to our approach to productivity and growth, Canada's standard of living challenges will persist well into the future. Remember kind of Daniel Foch was talking about this too? Mm-hmm. G- our GDP, GDP is the capita. highest yeah. out of the G7, but our GDP per capita is the lowest. Yes. Why are we on both ends? Like we're just so like, you know, on the <laughs> extremes. That's. Well, it's funny that they, they kind of like, we also have like a Newfoundland and Alberta and Saskatchewan. Those are all oil places. So, yeah. You know, this big thing on, on ESG that the level government's really pushing, yeah. it's all, it's hurting our, our productivity per person. Right. So we're just importing more oil when we should be exporting more oil because yeah. we do have the cleanest Well, okay, so oil. look at what's going on in the world in terms of climate, though. I, I was listening to Justin Trudeau. I don't, I, I just want to hear what he has to say because yeah. I, again, I want to know, I want to hear both sides. People like to jump on one side and not even have to, not even hear the opposing right. side. Anyways, look at what's going on with the weather in many areas. So he's huge on this whole climate and protecting the environment. And right. it's not good for the environment, but it's good for our economy. Yeah. Right. So he had a lot to say about that and a lot to say about carbon tax and energy prices and, and all that. And some of what he said, I guess he has a point to it. But in terms of can, 
the well-being of Canadians, which is our point. Yeah. More exporting does need to happen if we mm-hmm. want to see the, our GDP per capita go up. But what's another solution? Yeah. What else do we have? Canada's among the top natural rich, rich resources. in natural yeah. resources. What is what is another solution to increase our productivity? I don't think, I think you have to. Robots? Yeah. AI. AI. The world yeah. of AI in the next five, 10 years be interesting. It will be interesting to see. Productivity yeah. And but I, I still think, you know, oil is still part of our economy. I know it's not. What if everything say. goes to the Teslas? and? Well, then we have to be ahead of it and start mining lithium, which yeah. we're not and doing. We have lithium. Yeah, we do have lithium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just don't think that oil is going to phase out anytime soon. Like it's just not. Not anytime happen. soon. So, it's, no. so it's, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, in my opinion, is that say you import oil, you're like, hey, we're not, you know, mining as much oil, but to import it from another country, mm-hmm. how do you import it? It's on a ship. It comes <laughs> over, right? So you're still like, that ship is still, why not just have it here? Yeah. And then we don't have to use a ship. You know, yeah. more people are working. There's more tax And dollars. we're paying a lot more for the oil because the countries that are now not buying from Russia, which mm-hmm. was also a huge producer in gas and oil. and Yeah, they're buying it from Saudi Arabia and right. places like that. So they're vetoing Russia. So now that was a huge supplier of it. So now prices um, are obviously going to increase the supply chains because Russia was a huge supplier of it. Um, I think, I think though, there's an insurer that makes it so that countries can't charge a certain amount per barrel over over a certain amount. Over a certain amount, but then there's Russia could. So okay. now the countries that buy from Russia now that aren't kind of vetoing Russia they're charging they're charging more right um i don't know i look i read it very very briefly but it was an interesting little like correlation to how it all kind of trickled down and then it eventually lands with us and then that translates to our food prices too like mm-hmm. think about how something gets on the shelf how many you know points of the supply chain it hits for sure back clothing, to other everything, countries everything like, you can imagine is even the service um sector of it of how much like the processing of it is mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily just a Canadian inflation thing, but it it, no. it does trickle down to what is going on in the world. Yeah, I think I think this article is very evident that Canada needs to become more productive per person, and we have to start treating Canada like a business yeah. rather than you know like we're going to save the whole we're going to save this whole climate act when you have no, you no, have these I countries that have hey. billions of people who hey. are polluting way more than us. Hey, like, yeah. I get it. <laughs> So um, I understand. I understand the other side of it. I mentioned this on that other podcast. Did you see? So there's these uh, old age homes that have human looking AI robots and they're feeding and they're um, conversing with the old people. I guess some of them have dementia or they're very old and it's their care. They wouldn't need as much um, like abstract interaction as somebody in their you know, 40s, 50s, whatever the case may be. These are uh, um, 80, 80, 90 year, year old. in their latter years, yeah. Yeah, and so AI bringing their food, having conversations with them, playing chess, but it's a robot and it looks like a human. It lo- It's like eerie, it's creepy. Yeah. You wouldn't tell the difference. So I wonder about that. So then those people that the AI, um, the AI essentially replaced a job. Mm-hmm. What what happens then? Yeah, well, I guess. This is the only remember, remember I, I said it uh, one time. I was like, imagine we have robots building houses twenty four seven around the clock. Like that could help. That could help our issue with supply. Right. I mean, you might see it too. Like, I mean, it's already starting. Just looking at your grocery store, like it, we've just become so accustomed to just the self checkout. 
But think yeah. of how many jobs that just got rid of at the self-checkout, right? And then you're yeah. in fast food too. You're going to have- You have the carts bringing you, yeah. the, bringing you the order. Like yeah. that, No more tipping. You can eat sushi. <laughs> I'm not tipping the a robot. The machine brings it to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else is taking away jobs? This episode is brought to you by Landlord. Landlord's an easy to use app that is perfect for landlords or property investors. It allows you to track your cash flow or IRR. And there's a suite of other features within the app. You can get started for free down below in the description, and you can even use it as a deal analyzer that will help you make the right decision on your first rental property. We thank you guys so much for the support, and we're so excited that we're partnering with Landlord. It's more just like more service jobs, too. It allows the companies, service jobs, it allows yeah. companies to, to cut costs, and yeah. it's already hard to hire in, in those jobs as it is. So I'm not saying it's right, but it's obviously coming. Like Companies are going, they're capitalistic. They're going to look at their bottom line and say, totally. if I can cut out a job or, you know, people are calling in sick or, or I can cut expenses here for a robot who's going to do the job and it's, you know, yeah. just as good as a human can yeah. and they're going to invest in that field. But I still I think that'll view, create more jobs though. I still think that. Even, and like, think about graphic design too. Yeah, that design. is a huge one. These apps, you can say, here's 20 pictures of me, make it into a picture of me climbing Mount Everest with a famous person beside me. And it'll be so real. Mm. It's just, it's insane. So now you can't trust any media that you see anymore because you can't distinguish anymore. Yeah. The difference. It's not like the old Photoshop days. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, but yeah. I don't even know how we got on them, but it's such an interesting thing in seeing where this, where we're treading. I think I know we're in the very beginning stages, but just like when, in the 1980s when the computer and internet, yeah. um, Microsoft and that all was introduced and it, it did take a long time, but look at the technological advances we had today. today and how quickly the world absolutely changed drastically with the introdu introduction of that. Now this whole AI era, we're at the beginning of it and think about what we'll be telling our kids one day. Yeah. We, we used to have to yeah, you know? we, we used to have to work. Yeah. Well, now it's, I, I think like it's important to know, like, although those jobs will go away, like think of what the internet has created, how many jobs that's created, right? right? Yeah. It's created so much in tech, like an influencer, a podcaster, mm. like all yeah, these things are yeah. actual jobs. Like, yeah, yeah you know, it, get, it gets rid of some, but it creates jobs that we well, right now wanna, won't even know. Yeah, totally. And those, and that leads to more productivity too. Mm -hmm. Like the jobs that are redundant and can be easily filled by a robot that doesn't need to do much, um, that can be translated into something. Sure. Yeah. Way more productive in terms of our economy. Yeah. Okay. Into our next topic here. So kind of. What do you got now? I actually like this one. It's going to be controversial in a way, but not like terribly controversial, but. Will redevelopment golf courses ever become par for the course? This is the headline. Ooh, punny. So in Canada, golf has been under the spotlight for an entirely different reason lately. More and more owners of golf courses are thinking about redeveloping them. In early March, the city of Toronto received a development application for the partly owned uh, Flemington Park Golf Course. Hmm. That would add four residential high-rises between 42 and 56 stories to the site while remaining the 40 acres into public park as part of the redevelopment. So think of how many people could live on this golf course. You have four mm -hmm. high rises between 42 and 56 stories. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of units that could come to market. In Winnipeg, the University of Manitoba is currently in the process of transforming the Southwood Golf Course and Country Club it owns into an urban village with over 11,000 units of households. 
a project that has been in the works for over 10 years before the development plan Are was these approved. in like core areas? I don't know exactly if they're in core areas. I assume they are. Like if the University of Manitoba, it's probably in a core area. This is in Toronto. So redevelop. I mean, Toronto is just, huh. obviously you could fit people anywhere in Toronto because people love Toronto. But, yeah. you know, you had the one in Oakville too, Glen Abbey. That was supposed to be redeveloped and people fought it tooth and nail and now it's not. Hmm. So it is interesting to hear these in these highly developed dense areas. We never actually talked about this on, on no, the pod. No. How much land do golf courses take up? A lot. You have 18 holes. Like it's, it's a, it's a yeah. game. What's more important. And people are going to say, I love my golf. Don't take <laughs> it away. I understand. But what's more important, you know, these people who own the golf courses who are like, I can sell it and make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Let's just do it. Like I can see that happening. And also we need more. What's homes. a golf course zoned as? I, well, I assume. The, what would the zoning be? something well, it's too much just re- residential but in it's, a way it's a commercial well i think if you sold it you would sell it under under the preface use? that you could yeah you could kind of have some commercial and res- like you're selling it because you're going to develop residential land so i think that that's what was going to happen at glen abbey too you're going to add a lot more units but people fought it tooth and nail to to make sure it stayed so it's huh. uh it'll be interesting to see but yeah if you, if you do think about these highly dense areas where is the most land available well, it's going to be a golf course, right? You can, like they said too, they're going to make parks, which is awesome. Yeah. Did you hear about that huge park going down near, I think, exhibition they were saying? It's like a mm-hmm. $200 million project. Yeah. I think um, they're moving the science center or something. But yeah. It, yeah, a lot of it's going to be outdoors and it looks nice, but it's a $200 million project to make a nice park on the lake. Nice. Park on the nice. I, think they're, <laughs> I think they're adding some residential stuff. Though. I, don't, I don't, I don't think so. No, I thought I read that. No, it's like a center or something. Maybe I just get too excited every time I hear yeah, that. 200 million. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> but it's interesting to see, right? Like, like what, what will we see golf courses do going forward? What, you know, are they mm-hmm. going to, and, and there's been some, I think Sawwet in Oakville, that's like the new, uh, Glen Abbey is what they call it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of on Bronte and upper middle over there. Like yeah. they built a lot of units in there. Oh yeah. So, yeah. 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 So I, I think, you know, I do think golf is a really popular game. Um, and obviously I hope some courses stay around obviously, but I think going forward, you will see these people who are sitting on this land worth so much money mm-hmm. that are going to sell. And then a developer is going to come in, rezone it mm-hmm. and make it residential, you know, like commercial use and as well as parks and stuff like that. So I mm-hmm. guess the ultimate question is, will golf courses become you know, more obsolete as time goes on in the GTA because land is so scarce in dense areas. Only in dense areas though, because you drive for 10 minutes. Oh, I know. If you go north of Dundas, you're in the country. Hamilton, you drive for 10 minutes up the mountain. I think those courses will stay for sure. Yeah. I just, because they, they're on two sides here then because they're talking about how to make cities have all of the things, right? Like taxpayer, you pay your uh, tax to the municipality Mm -hmm. so that they can create centers and libraries and all of the things that you'd want to see, like Mm -hmm. transport, whatever. Yeah. And then now take them away and and just build, build a bunch of houses. Yeah. I don't know if golf courses are and well, the people that own the golf courses, they're most, just, I think a lot of them are privately owned too. Yeah. And if they sell them, they're worth a ton of money and the people that buy them are going to need to make that profitable. Mm-hmm. So then what are the price of what's going there? It's yeah. like the whole reason we want to build more supply is to bring prices down because there's yeah. still, there's a ton of listings on the market. They're not moving, not because people don't want, there's not enough people to buy them. They would be all bought if they were affordable right now. Yeah. Yeah. 
right? It's just the affordability. So with more supply, that usually brings down prices, less demand. So if they're thinking of doing these things, great, add more supply in somebody's head that trickles to great, maybe with more supply in this area, prices will come a little bit down. But if you think about the golf course owner that wants to sell it and knows what it's worth today, the people that buy it will need to factor in how to make a profit. The margins have to make sense. Mm. Yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll see if we'll see if there's less golf courses in the GTA going forward. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. All right. What's the last thing I have here? Okay. Mortgage holders, uh, renters bracing for impact in the wake of the 10th rate hike. We did touch on this a little bit, but you hear about all the renters that are uh, protesting. I heard about that. Yeah. And I have a listing in North York and the building adjacent to it. So you would see it from the balcony. And this is a very nice building. Um, it's They have signs that are like protest signs. And so the buyers were like, we don't want to be close to that rental building where there's active protests um, oh, really? happening. So I, I'm seeing it in Toronto. Um, and then the, the tent sites with a lot of the refugees and immigrants, they had nowhere to go once they landed. So there is that going on with protests there's a lot happening so I think a, a couple churches have now um, opened for these refugees and immigrants that were in all these tents downtown there's a couple articles about it they didn't make it a huge thing but um, churches are now allowing refugees to stay with them and that's because they have nowhere to go because of the rental market being so competitive mm-hmm. and prices just being out of whack yeah that's crazy that is crazy so <laughs> Bracing for impact is, I guess, a good way to, good way to, you know what, you know what um, Jasmeet Singh was saying? Yeah, I actually saw that, yeah. (laughs) I was like, what is going on? So he's proposing that they need an immediate solution now. So he was saying that the conservative don't have an immediate solution for the people in pain and the liberals, as as much as they have some sort of partnership, he's essentially saying, if I'm in power what i want to do is subsidize people's mortgage that can't pay it or are in a situation and um what else was there there was another point that just blew my mind because essentially the people that got themselves in hot water and unfortunately for them Mm -hmm. some cycles like this need to happen you know like the pain creates different policies and it's it's a whole circle when the cleanse yeah the cleanse yeah yeah so those things need to happen. You got yourself in hot water. Yes, it's unfortunate. And I feel for I feel for those people. But for him to bail them all out and use everybody's taxpayers' money yeah, yeah. to bail out the people that got themselves into hot water and subsidize their mortgage, um, I don't. I'm well, it's, not. It's it's, uh, it's political theater because he was actually he has a coalition with Justin Trudeau, and then he's basically saying that Justin Trudeau did everything wrong, and also the government's running a forty billion dollar deficit this year. So that's another thing that that's also like. Well, we're we're the most in debt out of the G seven. Yeah, spending too much money. Canadians are the most in debt. For every dollar that a Canadian earns, we are average in debt a dollar eighty. Yeah, thirty seven percent of Canadian mortgage holders are already having difficulties making their payments. Within that group, the vast majority at eighty nine percent say the latest road hike rate hike will further exa- uh, exaggerate their mortgage related woes. While 51% of mortgage holders say their monthly incomes are currently manageable, 
60% say that the latest rate hike boost will negatively affect their ability to keep payments in the comfort zone going forward. For renters, the sentiment is similar, with 45% reporting difficulties paying their monthly rent. Of that proportion, 63% anticipate their financial difficulties to worsen as an indirect impact of higher interest rates, and more specifically, as landlords often pass along increases to their cost of their mortgage. You can't just raise your rent to your tenants, though, unless you're following the guidelines mm. after the 12-month term. You yeah. can only raise it once a year, and the only other way is if it's built within the last three Yeah, I actually don't years. know what the rules are in other provinces, though. Yeah, we're talking about we're Ontario. Talking about so yeah. with Ontario, it's I think two point five or two point something like that. How much you can raise the rent? Yeah, once a year. I, yeah, I think more. Yeah, I don't think that landlords can just pass it on the the cost to their tenants yeah. unless yeah, it's, it's built after you know November twenty eighteen or whatever. Yeah, the rule is, but yeah, you can't just kick you can't just kick people out because of expenses. But I do wonder if that's in other provinces. I also wonder if it's more geared towards renters are having trouble paying because the cost of living is is right your grocery bill your your grocery bill your gas your car your cell phone you know everything is so expensive everything is so expensive we talked about this last time if you were single comes down but yeah i took a picture of a jar of peanut butter for 10.99 oh my god not like a jumbo anything i was like what is this life i personally don't eat cereal but i was just down the cereal aisle and it was like a box of cereal that wasn't even big. It was like eight ninety nine. I was so like, wow. I think cereals come down a little bit. Oh yeah. I'm, I like to watch my cereal. <laughs> and you're a cereal advocate. I uh, I've seen prices. I see price um, like on sale tags a lot, but some things are just astronomical. Fruit is astronomical. What else? I assume meat too. Yeah, but again, it was slower to rise. And it's going to be slower to come back down. And that's because of trace the food on the shelf back to the processing, back to servicing it, back to the supply chain, back to the everything. Yeah. It needs to slow there first. Yeah, I guess we'll see at the next reading. A lot of things take a long time to be infiltrated into the economy, like even the mortgage rates. The immediate shock of it doesn't create the unsustainable pain until you're in it and underwater a year yeah, later. Yeah. And that's when Look you Look how long it's see. taken for it to kind of show up in the CPI too. Exactly. You're it, yeah. looking at 18 months. So mm-hmm. they're trying to get ahead of it. And I, I understand the people that are saying that he might, he might be acting too quickly, but they are trying to get ahead of, be proactive yeah. essentially is I guess the words that they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because core inflation is still high, regardless of headline inflation having come down to 2.8%, which I do think is going to go back up to the threes on the next reading. And again, if you take out the anomalies on both sides, the the volatile gas and food, and I think those are energy, the, energy, prices. energy prices. That makes up the core inflation. But I guess we'll see like with politicians going forward, it's funny to kind of see them blaming each other. Because it's like political theater it is, right it, now. It's, it is theater. It's because we have an upcoming election. So we're like, just don't be too fooled by what somebody says because so, a lot of it is, is to gain votes. And people are more secretive than ever about their votes because there's so much of a disconnect. Like before it was like not as divided. Yeah. Like they've always been divided parties, but not as like riot against each other. So yeah. it's... The country's never been so divided. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's a lot of back and forth and one one 
politician says one thing and the other one saying the complete opposite. And yeah. I think there's just a lot of confusion. And I mean, I think you should, you should always, you know, speak your truth and, and say what you want and whatever political party you vote for, you can keep it private if you want, but I don't think you have to. Like I, if someone votes a different political party than I, I'm not judging them in any way, shape or form. So my parents are on either side right now on who they want to vote for. <laughs> and, um, my mom's like, you might as well not vote because my vote's going to cancel your vote out. So you might as well not even vote. <laughs> like, it's already starting. <laughs> it's already starting. When is the next election? I think it's not till 2025. Yeah, no, it's, it's not anything. Yeah. I mean, time does fly. I think the American one is next year. And I, oh. I actually, I know we don't have to talk about this, but I actually heard Donald Trump is leading the polls right now. Is he? <laughs> yeah. I didn't think I was listening to that on a podcast. I was listening to that on a podcast right now. Is so. he still going up against... Um, DeSantis. Ron, Ron DeSantis. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, that you could were a betrayer. That could change so quickly. But yeah, I was listening on a podcast today and they were saying that he's leading the polls. So, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Not that I, that I hate what he's done. It's just like there's just never been so much controversy. In when he was in power. But yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with when they like survey people, even in Canada too, is um, about the economy. Like that's what people are most concerned about. And I think you know, where my vote leans and I'm a economy guy yeah. is who will ever do the best to make our economy productive is who I want to vote for. That's my personal view. Hmm. Yeah. So it seems that a lot of people are getting on that bandwagon though. Like a lot of people are worried about the economy. But it, it comes from the media. People are worried about for everything sure. right now. It's, yeah. I'm, it's like a sentiment yeah. to be worried and it's, it's been like that for the last three years. Yeah. <laughs> Fear sells, headline sell. Fear sells. Yeah. It's true. Like, remember when the second or third wave of COVID hit or something and people were kind of over it and the fear had settled? Yeah. Everyone was like, nah, we're chill and we're, we're okay. One of the next headline. Yeah. yeah, they're okay. And then, yeah, there always has to be something that, something. you know, puts people in their place via fear. And for sure. What do we do? Yeah. I guess it, Anyways. What's going on in the market? We'll just wrap it up there. What's going on in our market? You should know. <laughs> <laughs> um, geez, it's a slow market. It, you had it a couple is. offer dates. How, how did those go? Yes. One sold how much over asking? 40, 46,000 over asking. Good. Um, the other, we didn't get what we wanted. It's it, We listed 20K higher now and we're still getting showings. And I sold two listings in Hamilton last week. And I have an offer going in on Hamilton tonight and um, a conditional offer on Burlington. Busy B. So last week was busy for me, but that doesn't mean that the market is, is really good. It just kind of happens that sometimes people transact kind of all in the same, yeah. same week. But as a whole, I would say that the market is is slow. I have listings that are incredible, priced well to the market, and it's just they're just not getting showings. Yeah. Uh, people are less; they just don't want to move. So to upgrade or downsize, it's just like you were saying last week: the delta isn't there, or breaking your mortgage. So people are just staying put. And I staying think staying put. That's the theme hear, of this year. Staying waiting put, to hear yeah. what's going to happen. And again, back to like our first episode when the affordability versus economic uncertainty. Economic uncertainty was by far the leader in what made people stay put uh, in front of affordability. So even though somebody could afford a house, they're like, I don't know what's going on. I'm hearing way too much. I'm just going to chill. I'm going to be, I need to stay here. Sit on my hands. Yeah, yeah. On. 
right? What about you? Yeah, same. I mean, I've been decently busy. I did a buy this weekend. I've got a listing conditionally sold, but same thing. I think that kind of at our price point too is 50K deltas make a make a big deal in terms of your days on market and if you're going to sell or not. So totally. being overpriced, even you by can't 50K be, is, yeah. is, is, you know, you can't, you have to be sharply priced. And I think we're going to see more listings hit the market, yeah. which will kind of uh, curve that demand. I think the rest of the year is going to be very slow. Yeah. Um, and I think that we will see that in the numbers going forward and we will definitely keep you guys updated. But I think the theme of this year is people are staying put. Mm-hmm. They're not upsizing. Uh, mm-hmm. Or they're just hanging on because their variable rate is just crushing them. Yeah. And I think that they're just trying to weather the storm uh, and see what happens with rates. And like we said, who wants to buy right now at a 6% interest rate? Not a lot of people. Stress test at eight, can't qualify. This will probably filter into the rental market. We'll probably see the rental market continue to be mm-hmm. quite hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of my prediction for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. You like that? I do. All right. We're on yeah. the same page. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Mm. We appreciate the support so much. Please like and subscribe if you're and on tell YouTube. Them about our newsletter. Oh yeah, we're gonna start a little newsletter, so it's kind of gonna filter into your inbox. Just if kinda... you sign up, we won't spam you. If you sign we're up, we're careful. Yeah. I hate yeah. spammers. We'll try and add the link into the description of the YouTube and the Spotify and everything like that. But we'll also put some Instagram stories up. So if you're on long form and you want some short form of me and Brooke, check us out on Instagram and TikTok. Mm-hmm. That's where we definitely get the most traction and people uh, follow us the most. But if you are on the long form, we appreciate you guys so much. And yeah, give us a five star. DM review. us if DM you us. Yeah. have specific talking Any points. questions too. Yeah, it's so hard to filter in the comments because there's so many, but the DMs are last. So if you have any questions or you want to reach out to hi. us, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please DM us. So yeah. thanks again. We'll see you next week. Yes. Bye. <laughs>